Now, some of you, um, like me, of a certain generation, remember when there was a time when seat belts, uh, it was not, not the law that you had uh, to wear them. And when they went into effect, some people had a hard time accepting the fact that they had to now buckle their seat belts. For some people, it was simply, it felt constraining. For others, it felt like a matter of, of individual choice and, and freedom, a matter of principle. And so some people had a hard time accepting that law to wear seatbelts. Of course, we all know it's a good idea. But there was a man in New Zealand, when the law went into effect in New Zealand, named Ivan Segedin, and he took this to an extreme. And so he refused to wear a seatbelt, and for over five years, he was ticketed 32 different times. And even though this was costing him a lot of money, he refused to buckle up on the matter of principle. Well, finally, he was getting tired of, of getting these fines, and so instead of obeying the law, he decided to do something else. He relied upon deception. And so he made a fake seatbelt that would hang over his shoulder and make it appear that he was wearing a seatbelt when, in fact, he actually wasn't. And it worked for a while, and he avoided the fines, but then one day he had a head-on collision, hit the steering wheel, and was killed. His fake seatbelt couldn't and didn't save him. If there's a moral to this story, it's this. When tested, what's fake cannot and will not save us. Today we're continuing our sermon series on books of the Bible that are one chapter long. And even though they're short, they're full of God's truth and they're relevant to us in the 21st century today. And so far we've looked into Second John and Third John. Today we'll be obviously looking at the book of Jude which is the next to the last book of the Bible found right before Revelation at the end of the New Testament. And just a reminder, um, if you want to follow along on version, there's information about that in the bulletin, the worship guide. You can follow along. There's an outline there as well as some application and poll questions. We'd love to hear from you. Now, a little bit about Jude. In verse 1, Jude identifies himself where he says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Now, we know James was the author of the New Testament book, titled James, a very practical, straightforward book. We also know that James was the half-brother of Jesus. His mother was Mary and his father was Joseph. And so Jude was a a brother of James and also a half-brother of Jesus with Mary and Joseph as his parents as well. And so what this means is that Jude, along with John, had the rare perspective of having known Jesus their entire lives. They had watched him grow up, Jude watched him learn carpentry under their father, Joseph. He watched him be a great son to their mother, Mary. And And later in life, Jude had seen Jesus move into public ministry. And at first, the Bible tells us that his family, especially his brothers, thought he he was crazy, kind of out of his head, all the things he was saying and claiming about himself, his teachings. But then at some point, we're not sure exactly when, it clicked. And they began to understand who Jesus was. And they saw him die on the cross, and they saw him after he rose from the dead, and they spent the rest of their lives serving him and teaching others about Jesus, their Lord, but also their brother. And so Jude writes this short letter at the back of the Bible. It's the only communication we have from him, and, and his purpose is simply this. He's writing a letter to the church, past and present, about the salvation we have in Jesus Christ and the threats to that salvation. He, he, he majors on what's real about our faith, the story of Christ, the Son of God who becomes a man who died on a cross for our sins and who rose from the dead. 
to give us new life. But Jude knows that there's a problem that the church was facing. The church that he's writing to has fake seatbelts in place. Things that they think are holding them safely in place. But he warns them that when their theology hits life, that they will not be saved, that they're in danger, that they're in jeopardy. And so he goes on in verses 4 through 16 to delineate some of these false teachings, these things that they are to be aware of and be, be watching out for. But before we look at those verses, a couple of things. This is an interesting book. Maybe some of you, this is the first time you've heard it read. There's a couple of things that I should probably comment on. Uh, first, uh, on verse, <laughs> there's an interesting, a couple of interesting illustrations that Jude uses to make a point. Um, sort of like in the, in the book of Acts in chapter 17, Paul takes a, a, a Greek philosopher and poet and he quotes him to make a point. Well, Jude does the same thing with a couple of, 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 of kind of extra biblical legends and teachings that the Jewish Christians would have instantly understood and clicked with. And so in verse 9, we hear this interesting, this rather strange statement. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. This is from the book of Moses, which was not considered part of the Bible, sort of a legend. But, but Jude here takes this and uses it as, a, as an example, an illustration, about people who have... Uh, rejected God's authority. And then he does the same thing again in verse 14 where he references Enoch, who was an Old Testament saint, where it says, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men, and he goes on to talk about the coming judgment to those (laughs) false teachers. And so he uses both of these kind of extra-biblical accounts to to make an illustration, okay? Just so you're wondering, if you're wondering what those are about. Anyhow, in verse 4, we see that this, some of this fake teaching was that Jesus they're teaching that Jesus Christ wasn't really the Son of God and that he was just a man and, and that if you follow Jesus Christ, you could really live your life however you wanted to without consequence because of God's grace. And then in verses 5 through 9, Jude gives examples from the past in Scripture and some from outside of Scripture, which we just referenced, uh, illustrating what, what happens to people who live without regard for God's word and God's will. And then in verse 10, Jude warns his readers, that there are false teachers who promote a worldview and belief system that are contrary to God's will and authority. And then finally, before we jump to the last part of Jude, which is really where I want to focus today, Jude describes the false teachers in verse 12 and following. He writes, These men are blemishes as your love feast. And love feast refers to communion as part of a worship service. These men are blemishes at your communion services, in other words, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds, in other words, leaders or teachers, who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blowed along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, dead twice. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Pretty gloomy stuff, isn't it? You can tell that they came from the same family. James and Jude, neither one of them hold anything back. Jude just lays it out there, very straightforward, very blunt, very straightforward. And he writes and tells his readers that this, that this small growing church is facing some fake teaching, which is a major threat to them as individuals and as a church. Now, that's the background of Jude. And, and, and this fake teaching wasn't just a problem that they faced back then. We face it today as well. The church has always faced this threat. 
Charles Coulson, remember you, some of you might remember him. He was convicted in Watergate during the Watergate scandal back in the 70s. And after he got out of prison, he became a Christian and he started something called Prison Fellowship. And he writes this. He says, most Christians do not understand what they believe, why they believe it, and why it matters. He says, our ignorance is crippling us. Remember, when tested, what is fake will not and cannot save you. So today we're going to be focusing on the end of Jude, verses 17 through 25. The first part, Jude has told, told us that we are not to accept false teachings. But now he's going to explain to us how we can respond in light of these false teachings. So there's four steps to hold on to, to help us to hold on to what is real and true. The first is God calls us to keep watch for false teaching and worldviews. Listen to this in verse uh, 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. What he's saying is that we need to keep watch and don't be surprised because, we're, because false teaching will occur and happen. We see this in other places in the Bible, similar teachings elsewhere. And the Apostle Paul says this in Acts 20. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And then Paul again in his letter to Timothy. <laughs> now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and in teaching of demons. And then finally, again in 2 Timothy, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Scripture consistently warns us to expect this and tells us that the false teaching will not only come from outside the church, but also from within the church. Be watch, be wary, be watching, says Jude. The second step that he calls us to, that God calls us to, is found in verses 20 and 21. God calls us to keep ourselves in his love. Verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Now there's one command here, primary command, keep yourselves in the love of God. Uh, and then... Jude goes on to describe some steps we can do to keep ourselves in God's love. Build yourselves up in the faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Live your life in waiting for Christ's return. The second thing to notice is this is not a command to individuals. It's a command to the church, to the body of believers. Jude doesn't say keep yourself in the love of God. He says keep yourselves. It's a reminder that we are to walk through our lives together, doing faith together. There are no lone rangers in the Christian faith, we are to follow Jesus together to help each other to keep ourselves in the love of God and love of Christ. Something else that's interesting to note here is Jude addresses his letter in verse 1 to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. So what this is saying is if you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, you are somebody who has been called by God to follow him. And it's also saying that we are kept for Jesus Christ. 
or being guarded and kept by and for Jesus Christ. But here in verse 21, he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So which is it? Are we kept or do we keep ourselves? I would say yes to both. There's a, there's a beautiful picture of the Christian life here together. God has done everything we need in the Christian life for us, but we need to respond. And, and God keeps us, and yet we are to keep ourselves in what God has done for us in Christ. God has, has done it all, and we are to keep ourselves firmly planted in all that God has done for us. Keep yourselves, he's saying, anchored to, to how God has loved you and continues to love you in Jesus Christ. The best thing we can do is, in a world of fake is to make sure that we have what is real. And the best antidote to false teaching is for us to continually be growing and keeping ourselves in God's love and truth. The third step is um, God calls us to reach out to those who are lost and straying. Having been reminded to expect that false teachers will come and having been encouraged to keep themselves in God's love, Jude now tells us what we are to do with those who have fallen into the false teaching. He says in verse 22 and 23, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. There's three groups he addresses here. Those who have doubt. Those who have begun to be swayed by the false teaching who are wavering in their commitment to to Christ. They have doubts about the Bible or who Christ is. They have questions. And and, and that's okay. But Jude says we are to to show mercy to them, to to build relationships with them, to encourage them in the faith, to invest in the faith with them. The second group he addresses is when he says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. These people, it seems, have gone a little bit farther down the road with a false teaching. They're, They're beginning to buy into it. They're in danger of judgment. They're, they're teetering on the edge. And Jude says we are to snatch them back and save them before it's too late. You know, uh, when, when you encounter someone who has departed the faith, we cannot just give up on them. God does not give up on them. Neither should we. Uh, the pastor tells a story about a friend he had who, who had wandered from the faith and was really living a very defiant, rebellious lifestyle against God. And this pastor went to speak with him, and he left really pretty discouraged and drained because his friend had not yet responded. It was, it was, it was really entrenched in his, in his beliefs now. And the pastor pulled this verse out to remind himself that God does not give up on those who have wandered away, and that God will keep pulling on them, and we are to contend for them as well, to, to save them as if snatching somebody out of the fire. And then there's one final group. Jude says, To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Very strong language here. Uh, This is regarding those who abandon themselves completely to fake teaching. But they're still not beyond redemption. Jude says, Show mercy to them, pray for them, treat them kindly, but be cautious, lest you be pulled into their sin, lest you be influenced and contaminated by their sin. You know, what I love about Jude is even though there's a lot of heavy stuff here, some pretty hard things to hear, he, he concludes and finishes by a very powerful assurance. He tethers us to God. At the end of the book, he reminds us that although we have a role to play, our hope 
in this life and in the next is not in our ability to hold on to God. Our hope in this life and the next is in God's ability to hold on to us. And so God calls us, and Jude calls us in this passage, to remember that God keeps us. He keeps us. He holds us. What that means is that even when we have reason to doubt ourselves, we have no reason to doubt the one in whose love we are kept. And so Jude concludes this, this short letter with a beautiful doxology, reminding us of what God has accomplished for us and then also what we are to offer God in response. First, what God accomplishes for us. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. That's what God has accomplished for us. That's what God is going to do for us. And now our response, what we offer to God. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority and power before all time and now and forever. Amen. So here we have, in the middle of all the dangers that that we can fall into, we have this assurance that God is guarding us. And as Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, I am sure of this, that he, referring to God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We, we face dangers, and the dangers are real. And God calls us to watch, to keep watch. Because he knows that when we are tested, what is fake will not save us and cannot save us. But the good news, the great news, is that there is something that will hold us fast and securely when we run head-on to life, when we come to the day of judgment, God's love. And even greater, there is someone, God himself, who is real, and when he grabs onto us and holds us fast, we are safe both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you again for your servant Jude and for his words of warning and of encouragement. Father, we pray that we would be people who um, are diligent and keep watch, that we would um, hold to the truth uh, that uh, you have laid out in your word for us. Um, we, We thank you for the truth that Jesus Christ is your son and we have salvation through him. And that, uh, that he uh, lives in us through his spirit and that he will come again. Help us to hold strongly to that truth. Lord, we pray that we would be people as well who would reach out to those who are in danger spiritually. That we would share your love and your truth. That we would pray that we would come alongside and invest in them. That, we, that you would use us, Father, uh, to bring them closer and closer to your truth. And Lord, we thank you for the assurance that you have done it all for us, uh, that our response simply is to rest and trust in what you have done, to keep ourselves in your love, in your truth. And we thank you, Lord, uh, that um, our faithfulness is not what saves us. It's your faithfulness. It's the faithfulness of Jesus Christ that holds us firm both now and forevermore. We thank you, Lord. And now we give you the glory and the power and the majesty and the dominion and all the authority through all the ages, both now and forevermore. Amen.